Good morning, and welcome to According to the Scriptures. My name is Kyle Webb, and I serve as the minister for the Mars Hill Church of Christ that meets in Christiana, Tennessee. I am thankful that you have joined our program today. I'm thankful for your presence each week that you're able to be with us uh, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. I want to remind you before we uh, really get into our lesson that you can go to our website, www.marshillcoc.org. Again, marshillcoc.org. And you can go there and you can contact us. You can uh, listen to past programs from that website. Uh, each week, I, I try to put on the, the very front page a, a list of quick links. And so you can go to last week's According to the Scriptures until tomorrow, Lord willing. Uh, it will be The new one will be posted. Um, but all of those can also be found on our audio page. Uh, as soon as you go to the audio page under Resources, uh, there's a list of, of According to the Scriptures programs. Also, all of our sermons are posted there as well. Um, but you can go back and catch up with anything that you may have missed. In the last few weeks, we have been discussing underdogs of the Bible. And today we're going to begin the, discussing evangelistic Paul. Evangelistic Paul. There are many great things that we learn about Paul in the scriptures. And we're going to look back, look back at his life. There are some things in his early life that make him an unlikely hero of the Bible. As a matter of fact, one of the things that, that we read at the very beginning of the mention of him is that he is a persecutor of the church, a persecutor of the way, the way of Christ. He he. he persecuted those who were Christians. And so that's one of the, the main things within his life. And that makes him an unlikely hero in and of itself. But we're going to, to do a lot of jumping around through some of the things that, that he has written. And of course, some of the things that are written about him that make him an unlikely hero. But how he was a hero, nonetheless, there are many great lessons that we can learn from him. I do not plan to finish all of these thoughts today, and so we will likely have uh, at least a two or three lesson uh, series going, and beyond that, I do not have any plans for what we are going to study. So I'm open to suggestions, and again, if you would like to contact us, you can go to our website, uh, marshillcoc.org at the bottom of that page. There's a place where you can send us a message, and so uh, we'll receive that by email, or you can email me directly and personally at bkwebweb519 at gmail.com. Again, bkweb519 at gmail.com, and we would love to hear from you. Questions, comments, suggestions for lessons. Uh, anything that you would like to share with us, we would love to, to hear from you. Before we get into our lesson for today, let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy and righteous Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the many blessings that you have bestowed upon us. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity 
that we have to study your word together. We thank you for the means by which we are able to study internet and radio. We are thankful for TGRN. We are thankful for everything that they do in, in your work. And we pray that you would bless them, bless the Mount Vernon congregation as they are involved in this. And we pray, Father, that you would bless all of those who who are able to, to share these programs. We thank you for, for all of the speakers. Uh, again, we are thankful for the opportunities that you give us to share the gospel with the world. We pray that you would continue to bless us as Christians, that you would help us to, to be strong individuals, help us to be a shining light in the world around us, help us to, to reach out to lost souls, to ultimately set a good example in everything that we do. Help us to remain faithful to you. Forgive us for our sins. And we thank you for Jesus. We are thankful for his sacrifice and for all that he means to us. And it is through him that we pray. Amen. As we begin discussing Paul, we have to begin at Saul because that's where he began. His name originally originally was Saul, and it wasn't until later in his life that his name was changed to Paul, the name that we know him by mostly. But we begin discussing Saul, and we begin at his early life. In Philippians chapter 3, and beginning with verse 4, we see Paul reflecting on his past. And this is what he says about it in Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 4. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Further, we read in Acts chapter 22 and beginning with verse 3, Acts 22 and beginning with verse 3, I am indeed a Jew born of Tarsus of Cilicia but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law, and was zealous toward God as you all are today. Let's go through some of the things that that Paul enumerates here. He gives a, a reason for confidence in the flesh. In the flesh, in an earthly standpoint, from an earthly standpoint, we see that he had reason for confidence in his service to God. He believed that persecuting the church was the right thing to do by God's standards. And so he had great confidence from a fleshly standpoint in his service to God that he was doing what God wanted him to do. 
he was circumcised the eighth day. We go back to the book of Genesis, Genesis and we are reminded of the covenant between Abraham and God. And one of the signs of this covenant was circumcision, not just in Abraham, but in each male child following him in, in descendants. Um, as descendants, they would also be circumcised the eighth day following their birth. Well, Saul, as we are reading of him here, he had been circumcised. And so that was something that he had great confidence in. Uh, of the stock of Israel, and not just an Israelite, as God's chosen people were the Israelites. From a fleshly standpoint, he was an Israelite. He was descended from that, that group of people who were God's people. But he also was of the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin is a very unique tribe, uh, not one that uh, was any uh, of any great standing necessarily. As a matter of fact, it came to a point where Benjamin was very few in number, and so they are, are actually uh, included in the number of Judah later on as the kingdom is divided. The, the kingdom of Israel is divided into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, and Benjamin remains faithful to the true, um, I guess you could say that the true tribe of God, the, the one that, that served him the best. Uh, Judah was interesting because they had as their capital Jerusalem, which is where the Israelites were to go to worship. And so that was a, a big place. That was where the temple was built, was in Jerusalem. Whenever the kingdom divided, and it's very interesting that this comes up because this is exactly what I was reading of this morning in my own personal studies. In Second Chronicles, uh, I was reading uh, of where the, the tribes, they divided. Rehoboam becomes king. Rehoboam is the son of Solomon, and he becomes king. And whenever Rehoboam becomes king, he, instead of taking the advice of the elders, the wise elders, he took the advice of the younger men that gave more so the, 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 the uh, whenever he asked for advice, they gave the advice that he wanted to hear. Have you ever done that? Or do you know of anyone that has? I think in our, our own lives, there comes a point where all of us have at some point turned to someone for advice because we know that they'll give us the advice that we want to hear. Rehoboam did that. He took the advice that he wanted to hear. He made the burdens of the people harder or at least threatened to do so so that they would remain faithful and the kingdom was split. Ten tribes go with Jeroboam, who is trying to get Rehoboam to lighten their loads. And quickly, the northern kingdom goes into idolatry. But Benjamin remains true to Judah. 
And it is uh, between those men, uh, the men of Judah and Benjamin, that that soldiers are brought or men are brought to to try to to make sure that that nothing, uh, I guess, crazy happens in Judah with the division of this kingdom to to try to get people to remain faithful to Judah and to the king Rehoboam. Benjamin was always true to this capital city, to Jerusalem, to those who were striving for the most part to serve God without fail. Whereas the northern kingdom goes into idolatry, it it seems that it is many years later before Judah actually falls into the same sins that that the northern tribe or the northern kingdom uh, fell into initially with Jeroboam. But anyway, aside from all of that, Saul, Paul, he was of the tribe of Benjamin, a tribe that was always true to God. Uh, for the most part, they were always true to God. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was not a proselyte, uh, as in someone who was brought in that, that was not born into Israel. He, he is not uh, someone that was made a Jew later in life. He was born a Jew, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And concerning the law, he was a Pharisee. The Pharisees, they, they get a bad rap, and rightly so, because the Pharisees, uh, they, they bound traditions on people. That was one of the great things that is said against them. And Matthew 15 is a good instance of that, where Jesus condemns them for binding their traditions on men as if they are the law of God. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day, and they knew the law. If you wanted to know anything about the law, all you had to do was go to a Pharisee, and they would tell you everything you needed to know about the law. It was in their application of the law that they failed. They bound things that, that were not in the law, for instance. And it, in a sense, they made the burdens of the people harder to follow the law. They made it harder for them to follow the law because of their traditions. So he was, concerning the law, very knowledgeable of the law. He was a Pharisee. And if we ever uh, get to the point, if we ever think of our zeal as being something that makes us faithful, and, and, and zeal certainly has its place, but zeal in the wrong direction can be a very bad thing. And he says here concerning zeal, he was not lacking in zeal toward God's service. He wanted to do the things that God wanted him to do. He was misguided in his zeal, but very zealous nonetheless concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Concerning the righteousness, which is in the law, as far as the, the law was concerned, 
He was blameless. He was righteous in the letter of the law. However, he was not open to Christ. The Jews overall, for the most part, they they rejected Christ when he came. Even though they had the prophecies and even though they knew a Messiah was coming when he did, they did not recognize him as the Messiah. And that was where Saul was. So this is a whole list of things that that Saul, Paul, had great confidence in concerning his service to God. But in looking back, he says in verse 7 of Philippians chapter 3, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. And we're going to, to pick up with that thought uh, a little later on, but we'll come back to that uh, probably another day. We come back to Acts 22 in verse 3, and, and this is also another list here of things that, that define who Saul is. I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel. And Gamaliel is, if that's the, the right pronunciation, probably he is not. But he is a, a very respected teacher as far as, as, as we know. And so he is taught at the feet of this great teacher, Gamaliel. And so he has a reason for confidence in the things that he had been taught. He was a very smart individual, uh, very well learned according to the strictness of our father's law and was zealous toward God as you all are today. So as he is speaking in Acts chapter 22, he recognizes others, those who are listening as those who might be zealous toward God. Let, let's not be, uh, let's not forget here. That he was very zealous, very zealous toward God. He persecuted the church, however. And we pick up reading in verse 4 of Acts 22. I persecuted this way to the death, the way of Christ. Binding and delivering into prisons, both men and women, as also the high priest bears me witness. And all the counsel of the elders, from whom I also received letters to the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring in chains, even those who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. He persecuted the way. Christ. He persecuted Christ as the way. Jesus refers to himself in John chapter 14 and verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. In the New King James Version, uh, at least, in verse 4 of Acts 22, the word way is capitalized because Saul persecuted the way. Persecuted. Christians 
and in persecuting Christians, he persecuted Christ. Uh, of course, Saul uh, eventually has a great encounter, uh, and we see that he is converted as we read in Acts chapter 9, but we'll come to that later on. I, I want to go back to the very first mention of Saul. In Acts chapter 7, let's go back to Acts chapter 7, and let's pick up reading with verse 57. And I want us to read into chapter 8. In verse 57 of Acts chapter 7, Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. What this is talking about, going back into context, the entirety of chapter 7 is devoted to a sermon. Stephen is on trial. And Stephen is going to be put to death. And that's where we read in verse 57 that they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, ran at Stephen with one accord. And verse 58, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. But I want you to notice what is mentioned after this. In the second part of verse 58, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. We, we skip down to, to verse 1 of chapter 8. Now Saul was consenting to his death. The very first mention of this man, Saul, who we later know to be Paul, the first mention is of him holding on to the clothes of those that stoned faithful Stephen, who became a martyr, uh, arguably the, the first martyr, uh, at least the first that is mentioned in Scripture. They stoned Stephen as Saul is holding on to their their cloaks, their clothes, whatever they had discarded from themselves in his stoning. And not only did he hold on to those clothes, but he was consenting. He was consenting to Stephen's death. And it goes on to say in that same verse, at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. So all the Christians that uh, had become Christians in Jerusalem, they had come to Jerusalem to worship. They, they were there on the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the church was established. And many continued in Jerusalem. They stayed there with the church, with their new brothers and sisters in Christ, until this great persecution arose against the church, and then it was that they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, taking with them the gospel to their home nations and anywhere else that they might have gone to in between. 
the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. And I'm sure at least a few others that already lived there, they remained in Jerusalem. But this persecution was a difficult time. And it doesn't mean that these Christians quit following Christ. Oh, no. They continued in their service. They took Christ with them throughout the world, which was the intent of the gospel in the first place. Remember the, the uh, great commission that was given to, uh, first of all, the apostles, but the, the same commission that we follow today. Jesus told them, go, go into all the world preaching the gospel to every nation, to every creature, to every tribe and tongue, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. These Christians, they did that. It began with the apostles, but it continued with them. And so the gospel was taken to all the world. Let's look at at Paul's reflection. Uh, Actually, we're going to run out of time, I think. But I'm going to try to get through at least some of this. Paul's reflection on this time in his life. In Acts 29, verses 9 through 11, Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them, and I punished them often in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities." Again, he thought that what he was doing was the right thing, when in fact it was not. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 15, this is where we'll end. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul's reflection on on his past, he is very ashamed of what he did and how he persecuted Christians and how he persecuted the church. He is remorseful over those things, but he is thankful that God has forgiven him. He is thankful for the grace of our Lord, as he says in verse 14 of 1 Timothy chapter 1. He feels that he is the chiefest of sinners because of what he did. And it's something that he never shakes in his life. He never forgets where he came from. He remembers it. But he moves on. 
and he is a great servant of Christ. We'll stop there and we'll pick up with um, how he was converted, how he became a Christian and how he began preaching the word, uh, how he turned his life around. Uh, But we do see that he is an unlikely hero, an underdog, if you will, of the Bible. I invite you to join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. right here on the Gospel Radio Network. Or you can find these later on our website, marshillcoc.org. But we thank you for tuning in today, and I hope to be back with you very soon. But until we meet again, may God bless you.